This episode is brought to you by the Shop One in Five Pledge and Small Business Shopping Directory. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. So head to shoponeinfive.com to take the pledge. And friend, while you are there, check out and shop from hundreds of small businesses in the Small Business Shopping Directory. It's the go-to directory to discover, support, and shop small businesses all in one place. Head to shop1in5.com. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. We're your hosts, Jacqueline Snyder and Mina Kunlo-Sitep. Now, friends, this is a really exciting and incredible episode that we want to share with you. And why that is, is because our friend and colleague, Tracy Matthews, has written and published her very first book. And this book is The Desired Brand Effect, How to Stand Out in a Saturated Market with a Timeless Jewelry Brand. Now, while she talks about jewelry brands, because she is an expert at that, this is applied to so many product-based businesses. And we're really excited because Tracy drops some incredible gems and knowledge with you in this episode. Now, I know Tracy's been on the podcast before, but just to share with you that Tracy is a jewelry designer, entrepreneur, mentor, and host of the top-rated Thrive by Design podcast. And as the chief visionary officer of Flourish and Thrive Academy and Creatives Rule the World, she helps creatives and visionaries follow their dreams, make money doing what they love, and take control control of their lives. Now, this book is really exciting. And the reason why I love the desired brand effect was that this is a system that she developed to position, grow, and scale four companies across multiple industries, including jewelry, education, and branding. And she has made it her mission to make building a business fun and joyful. And that's why she loves helping others. And you all know that we love fun here around the product boss. Now, the desired brand effect is out now. You can grab your copy. We're going to put a link in the show notes. And I'm really excited and honored because Tracy asked me to review the book. And um, this is what I said about it. And my name is on the front cover of her book. So Tracy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. So this is what I said. The Desired Brand Effect is a must read for jewelry and product business owners. This book is full of actionable advice to grow your brand. And once you listen to this episode, you will hear some incredible advice and the pillars in the Desired Brand Effect and how you can apply it to your business. So let's jump into the episode. We are so excited to have our friend Trace Matthews back on the podcast. Welcome back, Tracy. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks guys for having me. You're welcome. We're so excited because you have just launched your very first book, which is The Desired Brand Effect, a how-to guide for thriving jewelry businesses. But as you're all listening, wait a sec because it is more than just for jewelry businesses. It's for all product-based businesses. So stick around because Tracy's going to share her proven system that shows you how to scale from sales to brand awareness. It's incredible. So we're so excited. 
Yeah. Congratulations, Tracy. This is like, I feel like very significant and monumental also because there's three product experts on here. So you're going to get so much value and so much insight and so much inspiration. And we could not be more proud of you. We're super excited for your book. I am. I'm really excited too. You know, writing a book is an interesting process because I honestly, when we first started this, I was like, oh, we're just going to whip together some of the content that I teach and turn it into a book and get it to market in three months. Now it's been like almost three years since I had that conversation with myself. (laughs) It takes a long time to like pull it all together. And also you start to get in your perfectionist mode. And I was like, I really want this to be good. I don't want to just like put any book out there. I want to put like the best book that I can create out there. So it's been Amazing. a journey for sure. Three years in the making, my friends, and we're excited to have Tracy on. Um, so let's jump into it and talk about what is the desired brand effect? Like how did that become the title of this book? And tell us a little bit more about it. The desired brand effect is a methodology that I created to actually solve problems in my own jewelry company when I was just starting out. It didn't have a name back then, but it was the filter that I could look through for trying to figure out like, okay, so if I don't have consistent sales, like what's going on in my business, or if I've been working really hard and growing my business for a while, and even though I'm working harder and my business kind of stops growing, like what's happening there. Or there was this one time when, uh, right before 2008, when my business started taking like a backslide or like in 2008, my business started taking a backslide. My sales started declining. I had to take a look like what was going on there. So it was basically a system that I created to solve problems in my business. Um, I didn't really know I was doing it at the time, but after, you know, after my first business failed in 2008, when it was wiped out by the great recession and uh, I started a new jewelry company and then started mentoring jewelry designers had great success really quickly just by leaning into these three core pillars everything changed for me. And I started teaching the methodology and gave it a name a couple of years ago. And um, it's been life-changing ever since. And it's the filter through which we've developed courses, programs, coaching, and it's helped thousands of makers by this point really create strong, successful businesses that are aligned with what success looks like for them. I love that. You have exactly the same audience that we do and at Girl After Own a Heart with all these frameworks because literally this is how we teach. And I think that everybody listening can benefit so much because Tracy has been in the business for a long time. And I think that she especially shows how there's ups and downs and it's much more than just making. It's much more than just, you know, even just business. It's it's everything that's tied into that. So what exactly is the how can you ex- how can you explain in a nutshell what the desired brand effect is and when how they can apply it? Yeah, sure. So there's three core pillars. Um, the first pillar is creating desire. The second pillar is sharing desire, and the third pillar is scaling desire. And creating desire is really about attracting your audience, and this in- incorporates everything from all of your brand assets. So these are like the physical things that you use to promote your product, like your 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 actual product, your website your um, branding, your packaging, like all the the visual core aspects of that. Then there's your audience. So this is what sometimes people call your dream customer, but it's also like people who follow you, they're in your network. They They may or may not be customers yet, but it's like the bigger picture of the people who are in your brand's vortex. And then we have your brand voice, which is how you communicate to the world and the personality of your brand, as I like to call it. And this would include like your brand story, how you message, like 
sort of like the tone and style that you use uh, when you're writing captions or uh, product descriptions, all those things. And so that's, that's all about attracting uh, people or like we might call it, you know, in marketing speak, like lead generation and um, getting people like traffic to your website or traffic to your brand. The second pillar is all about sharing desire. And this is the sales and marketing piece, but it goes beyond just sales and marketing because we know in this day and age, you know, I just got off a call with you talking about shop one and small. It's really about sharing things that you love with your friends and your network. And so it's, it goes way beyond just making that first sale. It's about getting people to really connect with your brand. It's about the experience that you give to those people when before and after a purchase. And it's about how you incentivize people not only to buy from you more than once, but also to be sharing everything that you're doing, like the things that they love about your brand with their network and their friends. And this, there's also another piece to this, because I think this is really important for the audiences that we serve, is that a lot of makers and designers and people who own a product business, you know, they love the process of making. And so when they wonder why they're not having sales or they're not reaching their goals, uh, there is another piece in it. I call it the 75% rule, which incorporates revenue generating activities. You need to spend 75% of your time actually promoting your business. Um, if you're not spending that much time and you don't have someone on your team doing that and you're wondering why you're not getting the sales or reaching the goals that you have for yourself, that's probably the reason why. So sharing designer desire, excuse me, is primarily all about that sales and marketing and promotion aspect that you have. And then scaling desire is all about optimizing your business for performance. So this is what we say, like what, uh, setting goals, creating strategic plans, uh, maybe looking at the financials quite often. I know that's something that a lot of people like to avoid because it seems scary, but it can be very empowering. Um, it's also creating systems and automating anything that you can in your business so that when it's time to bring in support or get support, you have a way to train your team, speed up the way your business is operating, also speed up your workflows and get, get support when you need it. Cause I think at everyone support looks like a lot of different things too. Cause support could be like when you're first starting out joining a supportive community, like the product boss community or flourish and thrive Academy. It could also be like finding a coach or a mentor who's done what you're trying to do, which I think is very important. And a lot of people are very short-sighted on this because they think of it as basically like a cost instead of an investment in themselves or their business. Or it might look like hiring a team or someone to help help you grow so that you can delegate the low leverage activities off your plate when the time is right. Now, all of these, obviously, there's layers to all of this because when you're first starting out in business, you know, your initial focus is really going to be like finding an audience and making sales. But as you grow, you know, there's layers. I like to liken it to, you know, when you go to college or you're in high school, you know, you started as a freshman and then a sophomore and then a junior and then a senior. So there's like layers and layers and layers um, that you can always add on. So the methodology and the concept is like evergreen and it will work for any business at any stage. It doesn't matter if you have zero sales or you're making like $5 million a year in your company, like you're always going to be revisiting all these things. I think we speak the same language, right, Mina? 
like <laughs> things that have come out of our mouth. I'd like to be a ch- the third co-host of the product. <laughs> <laughs> we should just do this all the time and air on both our podcasts. Um, I mean, there's so much there. Um, one, I mean, just that these pillars are incredible. And I think, you know, you will hear us talk about versions of this on our own. We have not created into a framework like Tracy, which is why yeah. I think this book it, is... It feels very similar to the, the, um, the millionaire track that we have. You know, mm-hmm. so it is, it's definitely where it's like, it's almost like a mix of mindset and business structure because it starts with the mindset of wanting to be a business owner. And then like what you said, attracting the right customer, because you're not, you, a lot of times they just, they happen upon making something right. They happen upon yeah. making something. And then it's like, I'll just attract whoever. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, you know, we don't teach specifically the way that you're teaching this yeah. in any sort of framework. So this framework is just incredible because so much of it, like you said, you know, the very first part of creating desire, I think a lot of our, like Mina said, 50% of our community are makers. The other 50% are manufacturers, retailers, you know, they do it in a different way. Um, but it's that idea of being desirable. So you know, I think we've seen it too, where there's great products out there, but if the photos aren't there, if the brand isn't there, if the messaging isn't there, you, there's not a foundation to grow, you know, out of that. What would you say to our makers out there? Like we were talking about makers offline because, you know, makers got to make friends and I say makers got to make money and makers can be millionaires, but you know, you work with a lot of jewelry makers. Mm-hmm. What is like kind of that obstacle that you've seen them hit and growing? Oh. I think, and we both know this, a lot of times people who call themselves makers, you know, they're coming to the table. And I know Jack and I, we've talked about this because you, you consider yourself more a designer. And so do I. Makers come to the table a lot of times and there's no shame in this because, but they have this attachment to making everything and being like the doer of all things in their business. And that's fine up until a certain point, but it's really going to be limiting for growth. And so when years and years ago, we had a program, uh, Robin and I, my uh, former co-founder of Flourish and Thrive Academy called Multiply Your Profits. And I'm like, how can I get this point across that if you are always stuck in the doing of your business, like you're going to always be stuck in the doing of your business. And you basically, instead of developing a business, you've created a job for yourself. This concept is fully fleshed out in Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth Revisited. And that book was life-changing to me because I realized so many things that I was doing the wrong way after I'd been in business for like eight or nine years the first time around. And so we were trying to communicate this point across and I was like, yeah, well, makers, you know, they, they are short-sighted and they're only looking oftentimes like at what's right in front of them instead of stepping into their role is what I like to encourage people to do as the chief visionary officer. Cause visionaries are more creative in my mind than like, uh, like a CEO. And this, this messaging was actually developed even before I read rocket fuel or, you know, we've talked, I've heard you guys talk about this too, rocket fuel or, um, um, get a grip or any of those books. But the, the purpose behind this is that visionaries are creatives and your creativity is the thing that is actually going to help you grow your business. If you apply it beyond just being in the making mode, it's about being strategic, thinking outside of the box. I mean, like if we look at what you guys are doing, like one of the things that's really impressive is you're creating this shop one in five directory. And that I'm sure like took a lot of brainstorming and, and probably required you to kind of get out of the day-to-day of what you're doing with the product boss community. Think like, how can I serve my community in a bigger way? Right. And so this is really what as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as creators, 
every single person who owns a business needs to be thinking like that. And it's not necessarily that you're going to go create something completely different for your brand, but it's about stepping into a place of being more strategic about how you're promoting what you're doing, how you're getting yourself out there, how you're growing your business and all those other things, instead of just being short-sighted and looking at like what's directly in front of you. And that's going to require you at some point to think like a chief visionary officer and remove yourself from parts of your business that are like sucking all your time. Because other people, I will tell you, uh, when the time is right, will be able to do the things that you dislike in your business much better than you. And it will help you grow so much faster, the faster you can get out of those things, including making all the stuff. (laughs) A lot of them, I think they get attached to the making, right? It, it, it's, they do mm-hmm. things a certain way. They understand it. They happened upon it. They get used to it. And I think that then that's why they're able to identify with it, right? I'm a maker. Mm-hmm. I'm a designer. I've done, you know, that feels good in my body. But when you say chief visionary officer, it's something much bigger, you know, and it includes other people. That's the hard part. Right. And so it's like getting them to that point of, you know, if I'm the chief visionary officer, I'm not just solely in a silo by myself, visioning amongst myself in my comfort zone of just making it is much bigger than that. And so I love that you pull them through that in the book, you know, here's where we started and I get it and you're here and, you know, I, there's lots of people there and let's pull you through to what you actually could be and probably want to be, right? Building upon, like you said, um, making it, sharing your desire in the second part and then scaling your desire because then it's like, it feels like that discomfort can lift a little bit because then they're like, oh, I get it. That's where, that's where I'm headed, you know? Uh, Whereas not right now, it might be like, I'm not really sure and this feels so comfy over here and I feel so good being a maker. So I don't need that. I don't need to push through, you know? So I love that, um, having that piece by piece for them. Question for you, product boss. How much time, effort, and money do you spend promoting your business each year? Do you feel like it's paying off? Are you getting tons of visibility or do you feel like you're struggling to get more eyes on your products? This is exactly why we created the Small Business Shopping Directory. The Small Business Shopping Directory is an all-in-one place for customers to shop, discover, and support small product businesses every day. It's a place for you to be visible to new customers and get discovered. The Small Business Shopping Directory is the number one small product-based business directory that gets your business in front of thousands of customers who want to support and buy from small businesses just like yours. It's a perfect way to get your products in front of eager buyers this season without having to spend thousands on ads. Our goal is to get you more visibility and to get more eyes on your business. And here's the best part. We're doing this together. The directory is a way for small businesses like yours to join forces and create a big impact because customers can finally find you online and offline. They can support you with their purchasing power. It will take all of us to create this movement of supporting small and we can do it together. So are you in? We invite you to join the Small Business Shopping Directory. This is your personal invitation to get listed today. You can get up and running in just minutes. So don't wait. You can join now and get your listing by heading to shop one and com and click on the link to get listed. I think one of the most important parts of this 
book and the methodology that I teach because I got into this totally the wrong way in the beginning. It's like I had this big vision of what I wanted my business to be. And I got, was not clear on what I wanted my life to look like. And I basically created it like a, a, an awesome business. I mean, my first company was like, I was in like 350 stores. I had like celebrity, like all the things that you say you want when you're like starting a business, right? All the press, all the things, tons of sales, shipping thousands of units a month. But I basically created like a prison for myself because I didn't, I wasn't clear on what I wanted my life to look like. And I think that's another part of this. When you step into the role of chief visionary officer, you're really getting clear, like, how does my business support the kind of life I want? And if you're not, if you're someone who doesn't want to work all the time, being stuck in the, being the doer of all things in your business is going to be a problem. Like, and so you have to think about it that way. And so um, when I started over with my second jewelry company, I got really clear on what I wanted to create for myself and what I wanted that business to look like. I knew I wanted a low volume, high ticket. I wanted to make a lot of money and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have a lot of overhead from the point of like having to have a manufacturing space and all those things. So I designed that whole business model around like what I wanted it to look like. So I found outsourced vendors who could produce my products. So I didn't have to have staff making it. I, um, you know, was able to hire a virtual team so I could find great talent that wasn't as expensive as finding people in New York City. Cause we know like Jack and I know living on the East coast, it's very expensive. I know you're in Iowa, so it's a little bit less probably expensive to find local people there, but not as much talent, right? It's one or yeah. the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I wanted to create more flexibility for myself. And so I think that's like something that's really important for all the listeners to think about. It's like, what do you want your life to look like first? And how are you showing up every day for yourself? And how are you going to get your head in the right place? Meaning like mindset to do that and then design the business around that instead of building this business and creating like a job or a prison for yourself because you're like, this is how it should be. Because I think that there are so many roads to having a successful business. Not, and not everyone needs to have like a seven, eight figure company. Like that, it doesn't matter. Like for some people, that's great because they're really ambitious and they want to scale. And other people, you know, might just be comfortable doing like hundred thousand dollars a year and making, taking home like 50 grand. That's cool. But just to get clear on that first. Yeah. And that's something that we talked about as it being, um, you know, making a living. Like we realized there's, there are people in our community and there are makers and manufacturers and product bosses out there that want to make a living. And what does that look like for you and yeah. I on the East coast? That's a gazillion dollars, you know, okay. other... <laughs> Other places might be somewhere else, you know, we'd be living in a very small apartment, but you know, I think it's the idea of what, do, I love what you're saying. And, and I want you all to hear what Tracy's saying is that she had two jewelry businesses. Like now she's a coach and she has courses and she's an author. Um, but she's had two jewelry businesses where one went one way. And then she decided this wasn't for me. It was successful by all means, right? We, on paper, if we looked at it, we're like, holy moly, this is a huge business. And then it wasn't for you. Like it didn't align with the life and lifestyle you wanted. And so you reinvented and recreated. So I'd love for you all to think about that as you're listening is that whatever your business looks like today doesn't mean that that is how your business is always going to look. It doesn't mean this is the first or last business you're going to ever have that you get to, I think the more like when you get this book and you read it, you listen to her podcast, you listen to us, like you'll be able to decide what's right for you. And Tracy, I love that you, you lean into mindset. It's not strictly a business book, but it's very much you know, mindset, because it's, we realize that, and what Mina was talking about with the, 
levels of business ownership, it's like at every level that you jump in terms of revenue, a new mindset challenge comes up. And like you said, like the desire brand effect, like what does the brand look like? Does it need to up level? Do you need to up level your mindset? So it sounds like you combine both of those in the book. A hundred percent. Like there's a whole chapter on mindset. And we, when we were writing the book or I'm saying we, because my editor like helped me reorganize content and stuff like that. But when I was writing the book, I was like, do I put the mindset piece in the beginning or the end? And we decided to put it at the end because I wanted to get right into the concepts, but our world and our level and everyone's level of success. And I say are, because I think it's a universal challenge for people. And, you know, there are some like outliers out there who just show up and they're like, oh yes, I'm going to make money. And they just like attract money. And it's like no problem for them. But I think especially for creative types, it becomes almost like they feel guilty sometimes for making money doing something that they love. And that's like, it's something that has been ingrained in the fiber of our society. And I, you know, I'm on a movement to change that belief in amongst everyone, because I think creativity is like the number one asset that you need to be successful and to grow and to make money. Um, but at the end of the day, we've been told that like, don't, don't be an artist or a creator because uh, you won't make any money. There's no money in that, you know? And I loved reading that book by Jeff Gwines, Real Artists Don't Starve, because that should be everyone's mantra. Like, Real artists don't starve. And if you can start now by just having the confidence to know that your creativity matters and the products that you make matter when you find the right people and things start aligning, that you're actually adding so much value to someone's life beyond what you could even imagine to yourself. Like I was looking at this candle that I bought last year during COVID. It's like, I I can't remember the saying it's because it's at my other place. Every time I look at that candle, I'm just like, this is so awesome. Like, I love it. I wish I actually thought of that phrase because it's amazing. Like there's so many things that all of you are doing out there that add so much joy and value. And it might just be like the, the little thing or, you know, with jewelry, we talk about people wearing it and how jewelry can become like a talisman. You know, it's like the confidence that got someone a job or it's, you know, that feeling that makes them that sexy feeling that they have like going on a date and feeling flirty or whatever it might be that gets them, you know, connects them to their partner. Like there's so many things that you don't realize that your product is doing for people. And just remember that because if you can get into the mindset of like being able to like clearly identify when you're, when your head is in the wrong place and having the tools to actually flip that or switch that story with something that is more beneficial to you, like game changer, like your life will be changed forever. And I think that is like the one thing that I encourage people to work on, on an ongoing basis forever. Because as you said, different levels in business, a new mindset issue comes up, like a new glass ceiling or whatever it might be. It's constant work. It's not a one and done thing ever. Yeah, for sure. Cause we're constantly growing, right? I think the epiphany that I had was that it was as I was growing, I realized that it wasn't business development that I needed. It was personal development. So in order to jump the next level, it was something very personal, which is probably why you put it towards the end of the book. Cause it sounds like you had that epiphany after you got into a certain person, you developed your business, got somewhere and then was like, Oh my gosh, this isn't aligned. I mean, I got into this for the flexibility and the freedom and the life I wanted. And now I've created a prison, (laughs) you know? And so then you did that personal development and figured that out, that alignment. 
and then you were able to create something that you wanted. And we fully believe the same thing too. It's, it's different. People have different things and being creative looks different to different people too. You know, like I think that, uh, you know, even when I was growing up, creativity meant a certain thing. And it did mean that you didn't make a lot of money. It did mean that you were an artist or a musician or or things that felt like the arts. But as I got into business, I realized creativity was whatever you wanted to to be. You were just a creator. And it was literally the best, most creative people were able to take what they felt was, you know, their voice and the artist or the creation or the artistry of the creation was the vessel for that. Like the, you know, sometimes people take them, it comes on in their business, you know, which I, I feel like right now that's the season I'm in. It didn't used to be, but you know, some people do that in music and some people do that in painting and some people do that literally in coding and um, architecture, you know, or in math or whatever. So it just, I think it looks different for everybody. And, but it's like that realization too, that I think, you know, with, with you, I think you, you are definitely attuned to that for your audience, kind of like how we are of thinking like, you know, it's not just your business. It's like this whole thing is weaved together, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then you get to determine what your life will look like, whatever that looks like. If it's, you know, a million dollars or if it's a hundred thousand or it's 50,000, whatever it ends up being. For sure. Yeah. And so I wanted to, so when you're writing the book, I would love to know like, what is the transformation that you would love to see someone who grabs the book, reads it and walks away with? Well, I want them to see clearly like all the things that need to happen uh, to actually grow a successful business. I think the biggest transformation though is that for people to show up and when they read this to be able to easily like take a look at it and if they're having a problem in their business to be able to identify quickly how to fix that problem. And while sometimes the problems might not be a quick fix, like we know when there are operational inefficiencies as a company grows, like that's a, a much longer and more challenging fix for something like that. But you can identify, you know, like we're going through something right now with my team and I'll just share this personal thing where we've been hiring a bunch of new people and it's been really hard to find people here in the United States. So we started um, hiring some people in the Philippines. And so we're working on blending our company culture with two very different cultures. And it's been a challenge and it's been, it's required me to basically like change a lot of operational things in my business, like onboarding protocols, how we're training people, how we're communicating like what matters to our business, how we're getting people to stay accountable and stuff like that. And it's been a journey. I'm telling you, like at every stage in business, when you show up, there's always going to be something to work on. And so this, I'm hoping that this book gives you a tool that you'll read maybe a couple of times all the way through. But then when you're like experiencing a specific problem in your business, you could use it almost as a reference tool. So you can like if you're like dealing with like, okay, you're, you're suffering like from not having enough lead flow. Okay. Well you, you visit the creating desire section and maybe get clear on who your dream client is and maybe identify more like some of those key motivators or the reasons why people actually will buy from you. And the more that you can clarify that, or like you can lean into your brand message and, and voice to kind of tweak how you're speaking to your audience and making sure that you're putting them at the center of your story not just talking about you, but making it about them. So there, I mean, I can give a hundred examples, but you know, that's my hope. And when I, when I was going through it, the thing that clicks for me was we say this to our clients, but I tell you, they do not get it all the time. 
is that there is someone out there for you. Like we get this a lot of times with luxury brands, people who are trying to do like a luxury product and they're like, you know, should I drop my price? Should I, mm-hmm. you know, what, whatever it is. And we're like, no, there, you have your customer. So I love how you really put that into words of everybody has their own reason to be desired. Everybody has their own person out there that desires them. Everybody has that switch that goes in, but it's a particular customer. It's not everybody. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. You know? And whereas I think we get that in that trap of, am I desirable? Should I, shouldn't I be desirable to everybody? <laughs> no. Yeah. Actually, I, I would argue that the less desirable you are to most people, the more desirable you're going to be to the right people. And the, actually, the better your brand will be because the more polarizing you are in your messaging and the things that you do, the better, the easier it is to attract the right people. That, I mean, that's like a super, that point right there, I mean, is like a super valuable lesson because whenever you try to talk to everyone, you're just talking to no one. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, like, it's awesome. A lot of people have mass, mass market brands that sell hundreds of thousands of units a month. And that's great. I would much rather go down the road of designing something luxury where I have much fewer customers, but a higher quality and caliber of customers that you can serve longer. I've done both. And the latter to me is better. Now, you know, with my jewelry company, it's a little bit on the backseat right now. It's the only word of mouth. But when I was really going in with my, my fine jewelry company and doing a lot of private commissions in New York and around the world and working with private clients and focusing on it, I figured out I only needed to sell to five people a month to make like $200,000 a year. And that was good for me at the time and like fine for what I was doing. Like I'd much rather have that and have a life than scaling a huge product, but that's just where I am in life too. I'm older. I'm 50. I don't want to work so hard anymore. So it's like, I mean, I am working really hard. That's, She's like, that's, I just launched a book, but I'm, I don't really want to work that hard. <laughs> I'm actually working really hard, yeah. I, but you know, it's like, I want to do other things. You know, I have other passions. It's not just about jewelry. And I think, you know, one of the biggest lessons I learned was that in the process of post 2008 and nine, when I was in this really terrible space of having to close my first jewelry company and decide or decide actually if I was going to keep it open or not. And then eventually go down the road to filing for bankruptcy and starting over. Like my soul was crushed. I felt like a loser. I was, I, I had this belief that I was a complete failure and all these things. But the one thing that my consultant at that time said to me, his name is Phil Clements, uh, rest in peace. Like he changed my life so much. He said to me, you have a choice right now. And you can make a different choice. You don't have to do the same thing forever. Like, what do you love to do? And that got me so clear, like in one of the darkest moments of my life. And I get like teary thinking about it because it was so profound, but it was so simple, right? You know, like, what do you love? And the more you can lean into like what you love doing and spend the most time doing that. And I'm not just talking about making your product. I'm talking about the other parts of your business that you love or the, the strengths that you have. The, the better, like the, the happier you'll be and the more money you'll make. And the, so I think that, that that was like a huge lesson. And that was actually the impetus for me even starting my other brand, Creatives Roll the World, because I realized how powerful that was. And Mina, you said something earlier about like people doing math or like the spreadsheets, like the, that's the whole thing. It's like everyone is creative. It's just their type of creativity and how they use it. And people might not register that as like creativity, but it is. And the other thing that I think is really powerful from a mindset perspective 
is there are going to be moments when you feel like a loser and a total failure. And what I really want you to focus on in those times is to write out all of your fears and all the things that you think about yourself and then create a different story for yourself and write it in a journal, like a journalistic way where you're like painting this picture of what you want your life or your business or whatever it be to look like. And one of the most powerful exercises I did, uh, my friend was like trying to be a life coach at the time. She's like, let me practice on you. And she's like, I don't know what it is. Like you seem to be able to have like these things handled in your life. I seem to have the things like the money things handled in my life. Why don't I help you with the money piece? And you know, you can help me with this other piece about like being an entrepreneur and stuff. And I was like, perfect. So we did this kind of like coaching trade. And one of the exercises that she gave me was to like create this affirmation about like who I was serving, how much money I was making every single month. And it was like, I don't know, three sentences. Um, like I earn a profit of like at the time, like my thing was like, I earn a profit of $15,000 a month. Like that was like my goal at that time. This was like 10 years ago or something like that. Because the people who, who, who I serve like are willing to pay top dollar for my creativity and all the things that I do. And they don't even flinch an eye. I mean, that's not really the whole mantra, but that was the gist of it. And I would say that to myself like 25 times in the morning and 25 times in the evening and really quickly, everything turned around. And it wasn't just me being magical and saying it, like I had to do stuff to actually make it happen, like get the customers and do the things, but it got my confidence back. And so no matter where you are, we're all, you're all going to go through really high moments and you're going to be like, I'm on top of the world. And then something might happen and you're not having a high moment or your business kind of gets out of control and you need to rein it back in. Like this is part of it, but the more that you can keep your head in the right place and like keep focusing and like flipping those negative beliefs into something positive and using your creativity for good, like your life will be changed forever. That's so good. Thank you. So here's what I want to say to everyone. Cause I know we jumped into the luxury part of this all, but it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? Like it doesn't matter whether you're luxury, whether you sell, you know, $4 bars of soap, it doesn't matter where you are in the realm here. I think what Tracy's trying to tell you, and she says this so clearly in the book is that there's a customer for everyone but you need to attract the right customer, right? They have to have a desire to want to buy from you. And I think, you know, we talk about it as well. And this is just general, you know, business where it's not about us. It's about the consumer. Like, what do they want? Like, are you meeting a need or a desire? You know, is there a need in the market? What do they need? So coming at it from that perspective of, what does my customer need and how can I present that forward? And I think that's so clearly illustrated yeah, in this book. What I got from that too, because I want to add to what Jacqueline was saying that I got from Tracy's book as well, is that the chief visionary officer is the person that is kind of like the artist at the top, but their way they're doing it is by way of their business, by building the brand that aligns with themselves as well as the customer, as well as the product that they're building. So being a chief visionary officer is a big deal. It's like a bigger version of you being who you are, but presenting it into the world where you attract the right people and you create what you want to create. So I think that is a really big one too. Luxurious or not luxurious, because you better believe that I'm not luxurious, especially right now. (laughs) Well, the other thing too that I will have to have to say is the majority of the students that I serve at Flourish and Thrive Academy are in like a maker price point. They are selling, you know, they might've started on Etsy. Now they're selling on their own website or they're selling to wholesalers. You know, it's like 50 to $300. 
it works for any type of company. I, I just personally have done both and I prefer to move into the higher price point, but that doesn't, I, there's something for everyone and everyone's in a different place because of what they love to do. And so that's the point here is just align with what matters to you and keep attracting those right people and scale that desire for your products. So when you all go out and get this book, okay, Tracy's going to teach you how to expand your audience, grow your sales, amplify your results with a simple model, right? Like we're not talking about anything big and out of, you know, out of scope here. It's something that you can go to. You could read through, like she said, multiple times and come back to it as a tool because each chapter comes with the resources that are going to inspire you to apply what you're learning. So it's very much, it's very actionable, which is what we love about your podcast and about this book. And we love it. And then here's what I want to wrap it with. This is from your introduction. And I want you all to hear this and then realize how important this is. So when you create the desired brand effect in your business, you'll stand, you'll stand out in the saturated market with a timeless brand that your customers not only want to remember and desire, but can't wait to share with everyone they know. You're about to create, share, and scale desire for a brand that eliminates the competition because you're the only choice in the eyes of your true fans. If you're ready and willing to take the first step, then start reading this book. So Tracy, tell our audience how they can buy the book, support you and where else they can connect with you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. God, I get like all emotional hearing someone else read that. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So you can pick up the book at desirebrandeffect.com. It's available on Amazon. So if you go to the website, we'll sh- share with you how to get the book and then also how to get the bonuses that come with the book, which are awesome. Um, you can also connect with me personally on Instagram at Tracy Matthews NY or at flourish underscore thrive, which are my two Instagram handles. And if you, if you have a jewelry company and you would like some support in that, you can find me over at flourishthriveacademy.com. Thank you so much. And congratulations again. Yeah. Thanks Thanks so much for having me. It's been awesome. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the product boss podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us. This episode is brought to you by the Shop One in Five Pledge and Small Business Shopping Directory. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. So head to shoponeinfive.com to take the pledge. And friend, while you are there, check out and shop from hundreds of small businesses in the Small Business Shopping Directory. It's the go-to directory to discover, support, and shop small businesses all in one place. Head to shop1in5.com.